You know, I think I have a good relationship with the other hosts here at The Daily Wire. Uh, I consider them all friends. But their one flaw is that they're wrong sometimes, whereas uh, I am always right. And they aren't, they aren't wrong as often as the hosts on, on every other channel or site, but it does happen on occasion. Whereas, as you know, in my case, it never happens at all. You make very compelling argument. <laughs> and so today, I'm going to take on my Daily Wire colleagues, engage them in open debate on subjects that they're wrong about. And when I say open debate, I mean that I'm going to play cherry-picked clips of them and debate those clips instead of them personally, even though like they're in the building. It's just it's, it's safer this way. I mean, I'm not going to actually debate Ben Shapiro. I'm not suicidal. I am, I am. So let's begin with um, Andrew Clavin, a very wise man, except when it comes to his take on ghosts. Round one, fight! Whether or not they're ghosts is an open question. I would bet that more people have seen a ghost than have visited South Dakota and through, the, through history, right? We all believe South Dakota exists, and whether we've been there or not, people tell us it exists. It's on the map. We can read about it. But we often do not believe that ghosts exist, and yet so many people have experienced ghosts that it's kind of like God. I've, I, have, I wrote somewhere about God, I think in my memoir, uh, The Great Good Thing, I wrote that if we believe in God, there is more evidence than we need. But if we don't believe, no evidence can be enough. And the same thing can be said of ghosts. It is oftentimes a very, very sane, very down-to-earth person who says, yes, I had this experience and I don't know what to make of it, uh, but this is what happened. Now, I have gone searching for ghosts my whole life and I have never come anywhere near. My daughter Faith and I, when we lived in England, we would look up uh, the most haunted hotel in a town. We would stay in the haunted hotel. Never saw a damn thing. I mean... (laughs) One, not one even strange weirdness ever, ever, ever. I mean, I've had strange weirdness at uh, hotels. We, we stayed a few years ago. We stayed at a, a Motel Six in in, uh, in West Virginia, and uh, I we saw a ghostly figure walking across the parking lot. It turned out it was just a crackhead. But uh, you know, so there are strange things that happen. A couple of points here. First of all, I don't actually believe in South Dakota. I've been to South Dakota, and I still don't believe that it exists. As for ghosts. I don't believe in ghosts either, and I'll explain why. There are two different ways that I think you could look at this. I only look at it one way, but either way, I don't see how you arrive at ghosts. So, so to begin with, obviously, if you're an atheist, right, if you're a materialist, which both Drew and I are not, but if you are, then, then there's no room for ghosts in that view of the world. We're flesh and blood, and that's it. Once we die, our flesh goes in the ground and decays, and, and we're lost forever into nothingness. A very cheery view of life, but there could be no ghosts. But then what happens if you do believe in God, okay? Uh, what if you have the correct worldview? You're not a materialist. Well, I think in that case, actually, Ghosts are even more implausible because if by ghosts we're talking about the souls of, of dead people still wandering the earth, and maybe we have to define what we, mean, what we mean by ghosts. I have to assume we're not talking about, say, demons or other supernatural entities. That's a different subject. Ghosts, we must understand to be dead human beings whose spirits are still lingering on earth. But why would God keep disembodied dead people around to haunt old hotels and to scare the customers or whatever? Why would God send souls back to earth or keep them there to shut doors, you know, in a creepy way, to make a, a spoon fly across the room. Oh, God! Ah! When we die, this is the theological view. If we're damned, if we're condemned, then we then our then our destination is is we, we go to hell. We, we we go to the destination reserved for such souls. Ah! If we're not, then we go in the other direction. So I'm not sure I see the room theologically for ghosts. Are these condemned souls who for, for, are being spared hell? Are these saved, redeemed souls who still have to stick around on earth, scaring old ladies? Or is it that God can't figure out what to do with them? So they're kind of like in a waiting room situation. 
It just doesn't make any sense. That's the theological problem. And then there's the empirical problem that in the information age, with cameras everywhere, nobody's produced any truly compelling documented evidence of ghosts. I would maybe call this the Bigfoot conundrum. Everybody's seeing him. Hey, yeah, beautiful hair. But in, in this day and age, when everyone's got cameras, somehow he never ends up on camera. Why are there so many stories? Well, because as human beings, we tend to detect agency in things, even when it isn't there. There's actually a word for this in psychology. It's called the hyperactive agency detection device. And that's when we have this tendency as human beings, you know, you're, you're walking outside at night and then a, 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 a bush is rustling and really it's the wind that made the bush rustle. But in your mind, you immediately assume that there's a serial killer hiding in the bushes, right? Or a ghost. Your mind tricks you into thinking that everything that's happening, there's some sort of agency behind it. And that's where the stories come from, not from actual ghosts. All right. Well, uh, one thing I can tell you as a four-star chef myself, amateur chef, but I consider myself a four-star chef, you, your, your kitchen is not complete without great kitchen knives. And that's why you need Kamikota. Kamikota taps into more than 800 years of traditional techniques from Honshu, Japan. Kamikota also uses steel sourced from mills in Japan, and each blade is crafted using techniques that have been honed and perfected by generations of knife smiths. Each knife comes in a beautiful, heavy-duty ash wood box and makes sure that the knife is stored safely as well. Each Kamikota knife goes through a rigorous 19-step process that takes several years from start to finish to complete. Our expert bladesmiths forge and shape raw steel into hardy blades, polishing and sharpening them to an excruciatingly fine edge. Each knife is individually inspected. Kamikoto is so confident that their knives will work for you that each knife comes with a lifetime guarantee. Because of their single bevel edge, Kamikoto knives can achieve an unbelievably sharp edge you just can't get with other knives. They can cut through your ribeye like butter. That is guaranteed. Kamikoto is currently having a massive extended New Year sale, and on top of that sale, you can get an additional $50 off any purchase you make with discount code Matt Walsh. So click the link below or go to kamikoto.com slash Matt Walsh and use promo code Matt Walsh to save an extra $50 today. So... Let's uh, move on now to Knowles. This was a debate that we had a little while ago about um, about aliens, and Knowles is a, a a true alien skeptic and anti-alien bigot. Round two, fight. Do the aliens exist on other planets? Is there intelligent life? I'll go even further. Is there life at all on other planets? The one argument that drives me the craziest is this one. They say, Michael, it's just it's just probable. It's just probability. The universe is a gazillion light years across. It's so big. So it's just probable that there is life somewhere else. And I say, you know, to ascertain a probability, you need to know literally anything about the subject that you're talking about. <laughs> and when it comes to the origins of life, there's the Miller-Urey hypothesis of the primordial soup, but the experiment didn't work out that well because they didn't have the right chemicals. Then there was the clay hypothesis, but there's really no way to describe how it goes from that to nucleotides, right? So that kind of fell apart. Then there's this idea that it came here from Martians, you know, from outer space, which only pushes the question off and says, well, how the hell did life form there? In modernity, we're told we're not, we're not special. We not, look, there's probably a other of us. And my only point is, maybe that's true, but we have no evidence. We have no reason to believe that, that we're not special. My favorite part of that clip is uh, Ben looking completely bored and annoyed with the whole conversation. I think it was our best segment uh, that we've ever done on Backstage. We're talking about aliens, even though what you just heard there was a bunch of, uh, a bunch of propaganda. Michael's wrong on this. The argument he dismisses the argument that comes from just the, the vastness of the universe is what tells us that there's probably life on it. That's not only a good argument, it's actually decisive. And the propagandists on the anti-alien side have never come up with a good answer to it. So let's review. There are something like 100 billion galaxies in the known universe. 100 billion. 
That's just the known universe. That, those, that's, that's, that's what we can see from the Hubble telescope. The actual number, astronomers say, is probably 200 billion or, or, or more than that. In each galaxy, there are probably 100 billion stars on average. 100 billion. Each star has on average at least one planet, sometimes many more than that. So in other words, the universe is big. I mean, very big, very, very, very big, to, to put it in, in very technical scientific terms. And so I would argue that if you're going to look upon this vast, incomprehensible expanse with literally countless numbers of galaxies and planets and assume that there's no other life anywhere, the burden of proof actually falls on you. It's impossible to prove. It's impossible to prove a negative in this case. The most logical assumption by far is that the universe not only has other life, but is teeming with it. So Michael says, well, there's, there's no reason to think that there is life. You know, we've been to one planet, all of us, this one. The only planet we've ever been to has life on it. We know that there are trillions of other planets. On what basis could we possibly assume that none of the other ones are anything like this one? If you say that, then you're the one that has to bring the evidence. I don't need to produce evidence to support the most logical assumption. My logic is undeniable. It's like if we drove into a city with hundreds of buildings and we drove down one back street and didn't see anyone. And then you said, well, that probably means nobody lives in the whole city. And I said, well, how do you know that? Well, look around. I don't see anybody. We're in one street of a giant city. <laughs> if I say no, obviously there are other people living here. I am not the one making a ludicrous or implausible claim requiring evidential support. If you could produce evidence, demonstrate scientifically that it's just like impossible that other life could have developed anywhere else. Absent that, when you look upon this expanse of trillions of planets, by far the most logical thing is to say, well, yeah, clearly there's going to be life on those other planets. Some of them, at least. Now we move on. To, I, I think this is the most important subject we probably ever debated, um, but it was a debate with, with very little closure. No closure, really. And we're going to get that closure today. Uh, we move on now to Ben Shapiro. Fight. No. As a DC guy, no. Aquaman does not have super strength. He happens to be a strong person, but his power is to talk to fish. Come on. It's not like a physical one-on-one. -on -one, like he's a, he's a very strong guy, dude. I mean, Jason Momoa is a monster, but that's just because he's a monster of a human. Like, in real life, he's a monster. Yeah, Ben and I debated this last year. Um, as you heard there, he claims that Aquaman does not have super strength. Absurd. And I can settle this right now, not to appeal to authority, but I did consult superman.fandom.com, one of my favorite websites, quote, Aquaman possesses superhuman strength on the order of 150 times human maximum. Although he's shown feats of at least 80 tons worth of striking lifting power, but his strength is always underrated by people like Ben Shapiro, considering the company that he keeps, Superman, Wonder Woman, Martian Manhunter. Only steel reinforced barriers have a serious chance of slowing him for any length of time. So who are you going to believe? Ben Shapiro or Superman.fandom.com. I ask you that. Yeah. I, and obviously Aquaman has super strength. He lives in the ocean, gets into fist fights with octopuses or whatever. Aquaman, you know, lives in a pineapple at the bottom of the sea. Mm -hmm. So just the water pressure alone, that deep down, we're talking like 5,000 pounds per square inch. That requires you to either be a gelatinous life form like a jellyfish. Is Aquaman a gelatinous life form, Ben? Or you have to be very strong which Aquaman is super strong. I rest my case. And I have now vanquished all of the Daily Wire hosts, which means I can now steal their life force and their salaries. Your soul is mine.
think that's how it works. I have to check probably with HR. We'll see. 